Hey Bulldogs, it's Annie, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. I'm a marketing major of DeSales class of 2023, and I'm excited to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing DSU students about the endless possibilities beyond graduation. Get ready to be inspired by the stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journeys. Now it's time to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. I am here with today's guest, Paul Visa, a graduate of the class of 2016 as Human Resources Management and Business Administration double major. Paul is now the Assistant Vice President of Campus Recruiting and Marketing at BNP Paribas, a French international banking group. So without further ado, Paul, please introduce yourself and describe your experience at DeSales and a little bit of how you got where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Annie. Um, so like Annie said, I mean, my name is Paul Visa. I am the AVP currently for campus recruiting and marketing at BNP Paribas and out of the Chesterbrook office. Um, short answer, BNP is a, is a global bank um, and we have careers in all types of finance and banking. But I, uh, my freshman year of the sales was 2013. Um, I picked the sales because the campus tour was the best and they had the nicest dorms and and my friend uh, wanted to go there. And then all my three closest friends from high school ended up going there, um, which some of you listening may admit that the sales does a pretty good campus tour. That's how they rope you in uh, with, a, with a great campus. Um, when I came in, I was just, uh, I believe I was just a business admin major. And then I picked up HR soon after that because I wanted to pick something, something doubled, something more specialized than business admin. Um, when I was at the sales, I did a lot of stuff. I tried to get involved in a lot of different ways. I think like a lot of people, my time in college was the time where you, you know, you find yourself or however you want to word it, or you, you figure yourself out, you grow up essentially. So you figure out what you like and what you don't like. So my freshman year, the first thing I tried to do was get a work study uh, because I waited too long and not that I regret the decision, but because I waited too long, um, the only thing that was open left, uh, was the registrar's office. So I was a work study in the registrar's office. And to summarize a short story working there was, or summarize a long story working there was so great. All those people were at my wedding, uh, a year or two ago. So a couple years ago. So it was, it was the right choice, but then, then I wanted to do some clubs and stuff. And I got involved with, uh, the Ideas Club, which I think is still around, kind of a business entrepreneurship related club. Um, I know they do a lot of service projects now. Um, at the time, there was also a club called Outdoor Adventure, uh, which I think Student Activities does a lot of stuff that they do now. But we used to do hikes and things like that. Um, so I got involved with that. And then I found myself after I did the Freshman Leadership Summit, I uh, my sophomore year became a career ambassador um, in Kristen's office. Uh, and at that time, it was just Kristen and uh, and one admin, um, uh, Mar- Marianne Charlton, who works up in humanities now. Um, so at the time, the, so from from now, if all of you guys if have been to the Career Center, you'd know that it's grown um, a whole bunch. They have about probably 20 career ambassadors and and it, it's grown so much, which is great. And I've continued my relationship with with Kristen and Melanie and, and Kathy and now Aubrey as well over the past couple of years. So I try to do a lot of stuff on campus because it's fun and I like to I like to do it. So, so that brings me here today. Well, thank you, Paul. Yeah, the Career Development Center is the best. And I started working in the office about it. It'll be one year this fall. So 
I'm really excited about just all the opportunities that, you know, you, you gain and experience while you're in the office, all the things they have for you. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Were there any other, uh, experiences like coursework or just anything from the sales that really influenced your career path now? Yes. Um, so the first thing, well, well, definitely picking up the HR double major um, for a couple of reasons. One, the coursework kind of helped me figure out like, okay, HR is an area, of course, of interest. That's why I picked it. Um, but it helped me figure out a little bit more of that. Also, uh, at the time, the HR double major, I'm not sure if it still is this way, was it, it was an access major. So I did night classes. And I had classes with, you know, experienced adults out in the workforce and things. And, and that was really beneficial, too, because it helped me figure out what what I might look for in a work environment, even certain companies that might be good or might not be good. Um, so that was that was certainly helpful. But truthfully, I think that it, it definitely took me being out in the career field and trying a few things to discover the talent acquisition recruiting side of, of what I do now. So it was definitely the, the, you know, the double major and things. And, and of course, all the amazing professors over time w- was very helpful, but, but in my case, I think, you know, when I first graduated, I, I, I didn't end up doing what exactly I thought I was going to do because I didn't know about it yet. So what were your f- first steps following graduation and how did you get started in your field? My first steps were I, I applied. I applied a lot of places. I mean, that that's I I knew for me. Some people wait. Some people take a gap year. Some people uh, just wait to find the right thing. Perfectly fine. Everybody has a different situation. I knew for me, I I didn't want to graduate and not have something lined up. I I knew that it necessarily wasn't going to be the forever career, but I think that for me, since I wasn't, I I didn't have something dead set that I wanted to do. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse or, oh, I need to be a teacher where it's, you know, one specific thing. I I had to to move around a little bit. So I did uh, utilize my network that I had at the sales, which is a great thing to do. Talk to your professors, mentors, club advisors. Um, and Marianne Charlton, who at the time, uh, she had worked in the Career Center, and now she works in, as the admin for Humanities. Her daughter is, I think, now the, probably, the, probably the vice president of recruiting at Nutrisystem, uh, the diet company that sells, um, uh, sells food and plans and, and things like that. So I ended up interviewing and getting a job there. It was straight phone sales. Obviously not something I wanted to do forever. I was only there for about six months before I ended up transitioning into uh, a role in nonprofits, which I guess I'll mention in a second. But that's that's how I got started. I mean, so it was basically apply a lot. The job market was different then. I think the job market is is perfect right now for seniors. Uh, that that it's almost your your choice of what you want in a lot of cases. I think it was a little bit slower when I was graduating, so it wasn't quite as easy. But I applied. I interviewed a lot of places. Ended up getting the offer at Nutrisystem. Um, and that's, that's where I kind of started my career. And interestingly enough, I guess my short advice in that story would be apply and take chances when you're applying, because I had also applied to be an admissions counselor at the sales. I didn't get it. I think I was close, but I did the interview the morning that I was starting Nutrisystem at nine o'clock. I did this at like seven o'clock 
and it was the day after I finished finals. So my interviewing was probably not up to par when I met with everybody in, in at the sales there. But it was the right decision in the long run. Everything worked out. If I would have ended up working at sales, my life would have been completely different. So I'm happy I made that choice. But but that's 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 how I got started. That was probably just you know time and place kind of situation. Like you just finished finals and it was like, oh, like okay, next next on to the next thing. And it's just, you know, it didn't work out. But now I think you're in a great spot. So tell us about your day-to-day at um BNB Paribas as an assistant yeah. vice president. Yeah. So every day, corny answer, but every every day is different in, in what we do. But essentially, what we what we do in campus recruiting, and if if anyone out there has an interest in any kind of recruiting, uh, particularly at campus early careers, is it is very cyclical because obviously you have summer internships that you're recruiting heavily for, and then we also recruit for uh, what we call our analyst and associate training program, which is essentially recent grads, so seniors that are going into a two-year rotational program. And those most of those students start in the summertime, but some of those students throughout the, start throughout the year as well. So most of the time throughout the year, I'm recruiting for a summer program. Um, I've had different campus recruiting roles in the realm of investment banking and in a lot of uh, big, big big companies. So if you're a business major or, or not, if you're trying to be at a big company, you'll often see that probably the internships are accepting applications almost a year in advance. So this summer, early fall, you'll see something for that that summer. So keep an eye out when you're applying. Look early. You don't want to wait till spring. Uh, but then what we're doing is we're doing interviews. We're we're doing campus events. We are uh, uh, doing a lot of internal planning on the campus recruiting side of organizing. So right now I'm organizing travel for 20 students from my my Chesterbrook, uh, which is near King of Prussia. That's the office I'm out of the Chesterbrook and Denver office to get to New York City for three weeks for training to start the internship. So there's a lot of logistical planning that goes involved as well. But typical days, you know, screening candidates, calling first, second, third interview, whatever it may be, resume reviews. Uh, If you're more into full-time recruiting, you're probably using things like LinkedIn Recruiter, Indeed, where you're maybe more proactively searching for candidates. Um, and, uh, and and using the internet to do that, uh, but that's that's a that's a typical day and a typical week is we're we're working a lot obviously to fill roles, but there's also a big planning and logistical side I think for a lot of what we do in in recruiting and and in HR in general it's a lot of planning. Sure. So what's the process for recruiting like, and what do you look for in like the quality candidate for your interns and for your associate program? Yeah. So for us, for us at BNP, the uh, every role is different. If you're if you're an investment banking role, that's obviously going to be very different than a tech role. Going to be very different than an operations role in terms of the skills and the personality that the managers might be looking for. The common things is, of course, extracurricular activities, part-time jobs, things like that. I will say, you know, transparently, some of us from a smaller school like me. Uh, like you, like all everyone listening to this, obviously. Um, some of us from a smaller school have to fight a little bit harder to get our resumes noticed when we're applying to big companies, especially if they're companies maybe outside the Lehigh Valley area that don't know the sales to be a, a great school because you're competing against Villanova students, UPenn students, uh, 
Penn State, Rutgers, like big, big schools from all over the place. So sometimes managers will look at a school title and they don't look that much beyond that. So you really want to try to pack your resume as much as you can and, and get involved in a lot of things. I know that's something hard to do if you're already a senior, but there are ways that you, of course, you can make your resume sound better. Go to the Career Center and they can help you do that with the experience that you have. But if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, and you see yourself wanting to be at a Fortune 100 or 500 company, um, a big job in, in New York City or, or in Philly or, or something like that, get involved in a lot of stuff. Don't, you know, get, try to do, try to, try to be the top of the top of your university almost, because that's what essentially you're competing against. Now, of course, that's not everywhere. The sales is a great school. And I know a lot of people will move on to success. A lot of my friends that, that I graduated with are, are all doing great, but just from the realm of, of BNP and other maybe big banks and uh, big finance companies, sometimes you have to fight a little bit harder, but that's what we're looking for. We're looking for someone that has that that's done things like host a podcast for their career center. That's interesting, right? If I, if I was hiring you for a marketing role, that's interesting. That's unusual. So that, that would be something I like to see. So trying to make yourself stand out is what we're, is what we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. As a career ambassador, I'm sure you can relate here. So helping with, you know, resumes and I see a student that has minimal experience. I always say the number one thing. And this is what they told me when I was a freshman too, is get involved. They were like, don't just do one club, do two clubs. Yep. They're like, okay, if you want to um, expand on, you know, this job, and then also talk about how can you, you know, make two roles out of one job, like talk about different things that you do. And then, um, and I always say, just get an internship, whatever you do, just get an internship because that's going to be really great experience and, you know, better than your simple yes. cashier or retail job. So um, yeah, I guess that is very true to know. And then, um, it's just interesting, you know, correcting resumes and then hearing what, you know, you're really looking for in an interview. So, um, what are some powerful interview questions that you ask during an interview and what kind of responses do you seek? Yeah. At the career development center, we have a technique for some of our question responses. So I'm wondering if that is across the board. Yeah. And I think probably some of the questions, that I probably still use or maybe questions from that mock interview form that are memorized yeah. in my head from, from working in the career center. Uh, but uh, again, depending on your job, a lot of times you're going to find a mix, particularly with big companies when you're meeting with different people. And you might not always know this, but when you're meeting with different people, they might be asking you more behavioral questions, more, more workplace culture questions, you know, workplace culture. Tell me about yourself. You know, the simple questions like that. Then they might get into more aptitude questions on how you think, ethical questions, uh, technical questions. If it's any kind of math or role or anything like that, you might get hit with that or finance role. But for example, you know, a question that we ask a lot of people is tell me about a time where you witnessed something that you felt was unethical and how you reacted to that situation. And that one, that one trips a lot of people up because not everyone has necessarily seen something, but sometimes the answer to that helps us figure out how much real experience that person might have. But a lot of the questions, the tough questions that you're going to get or that you want to think through is not just about your experience, but also about being able to accurately explain how you think in problems and situations. So if I, you know, if I asked you, 
and we're in a marketing interview. And I, and I said to you, uh, tell me about a time like, oh, that's so great that you're doing that podcast or, or something like that. Tell me about, tell me about the worst podcast that you ever did. What, why did you fail? And you know, what, 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 what would you have done differently? And then I want you to explain to me, not just what happened, but what you learned from it and what you would do differently. So you, you in the career center, you might be, you might be familiar with the star method. I know Melanie, Melanie talks about it and Kristen, they all talk about it, but again, it's, you know, think of a specific situation um, and then think of the, think of the action and then the result of that as well. And that's, that's important. You don't want to just answer a question with what happened, but how it impacted things and what you did there with every question and don't, and, and overall don't sound too can't ha- you have to be able to have a conversation. I know interviewers know if your questions and your answers or your answers rather are the same, but plug in that company. Uh, Or if you use, just say, I remember a student was on the baseball team, uh, captain of the baseball team, good experience there to draw on for certain questions. But if I ask you five questions and everything is from your experience as the captain of the baseball team, that's not what I want to say. I want to see varied experiences there. So I guess it's, it's about how you think about, think about the questions. Yeah, that's true point too, that um, I just conducted a mock interview today and I had mentioned to her that she had many roles on her resume and, but she kept going back to the same job as for every question. And I said, I I can relate because I uh, work for my parents in a, in a pizzeria. And a lot of times all my learning experiences come from that, but I picked up the role in the career development center and as podcast host, and now I have new experiences to kind of build off of. So when I'm in an interview, I you know, this, in this job, this is what happened. This is how I solved this problem and, you know, so forth. But I explained that to her today. And I think that's really important that you kind of really analyze every job and every mistake and success and how, even if they're small, like you kind of build on it. So um, back to just more about you. So what are some of the greatest rewards of your job and what is, what are the most challenging parts of your job as well yeah i mean the most challenging part i think of recruiting depending on sometimes depending on the company and things like that is again you're always working under deadlines you always have headcount that you have to fill so you're 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 working sometimes with a lot of urgency um but at the same time the most rewarding thing is if you spend a lot of time with a candidate someone that you really think is great for a role and then you're providing them with a career that's making a huge difference in their life. And you can see how happy it makes that person. For example, and this is a great networking piece of things, because this wasn't a, a, a role that was my job to hire for. But uh, when I, I, I interned at a nonprofit program called Pennsylvania Free Enterprise Week all through college, the second year there, I interned with a girl named Anna Maria. Um, uh, Anna Maria, there you go. Uh, uh, she was just there one year. I think she came back the next summer, so I wouldn't have seen her at this point now for eight years or seven years almost. But we've been connecting on Facebook. We've been connected on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great tool. Trust me, use it. If you're listening to this, it doesn't always pay off immediately, but it does over time. We were connected. I had just shared the status of one of my fellow recruiters that they were looking for an admin position. 
she reached out to me actually like, hey, I have an interest of doing something different, HR related maybe. And so we, we, we just talked on the phone about that. And then she was like, and then I just said to her like, hey, by the way, I know you're working as an admin right now um, in Baltimore. We have this role or, you know, are you interested in this? And, and it started a process, which at now next week or by the end of this month, next week, she's starting. She's moving from Baltimore out to this area, moving to Westchester, getting a career that's going to pay her way better, way better benefits, all that kind of stuff. All just because we were we stay connected on social media and LinkedIn, and that was very that of course for me was great because obviously the person was thankful, but it was truly like okay this person has a job right now that they don't like, and I'm in position at a company, and I think that's one of the great things of being a recruiter once you get some experience and you get into a company that really has solid roles, you can it's very satisfying to fill them. We expect with people that that are coming from a situation where the job wasn't as good, and I have several other examples that that have, that has happened since my time here. I've only been here the past year. There's been about five people that that I have connected with previously at different jobs, or one student that I met three years ago at a campus event at my last job at eight o'clock at night at Moravian. I met him for five minutes. We stayed connected. He ended up getting a job that I just. I just shared the posting and he saw it and then, and that's how you, and, and he got in and it's, it's way better than what he was doing before. So that's, that's satisfying, not just from a point of like, Oh, Hey, I'm doing my job. I'm filling the roles, but from, it's like, Hey, that person is, that person's going to have twice as much vacation and pay and their life's going to be so much happier now that they're working here at BP than when they were somewhere else. So that, that's yeah. the fun part. Yeah. And I think we talk about this a lot. Um, on the podcast and a lot of episodes because it's such a valuable um, technique or I don't think that's the right word, but networking, the importance of networking goes across every industry. And just that if you meet somebody one time and you know, like, oh, maybe I won't, like, maybe I'm not ready now, but maybe I'll need this contact in the future. Keeping in contact with them, whether it's just simply connecting with them on LinkedIn or sending a text every holiday saying, hey, like, Merry Christmas, you know, happy Easter, like simple things like that. Just keeping them, you know, close. You never know when that opportunity will arise. You never know when you'll, you know, need that person or be of use to that person finding a job. So just super important. But I know you said that in your job, there's a lot of urgency and deadlines. So like, do you have to work overtime a lot or what is your schedule kind of like? Um. Yes. So I'm, I mean, I'm a salaried employee, so I don't get overtime, but as you move on in your career and you start working places, I think, especially in business, but, but in other roles too, I mean, healthcare, my sister's a nurse um, at St. Chris. I mean, I know is over time where she's gotten in more specialized wards and promotions. Sometimes that comes with more work. Uh, I can say at BNP, yes, I'm definitely way busier than that I was at my previous job. But the benefits, the compensation, and and the, the the rewards that I get for the job are matching for the extra effort. So so yes, there is a lot of hard work. There is overtime. I, I think that we all probably do probably closer to fifty hours a week than forty. But we also have flexibility of having 
30 plus days of vacation a year and a hybrid work environment where we only need to come in one or two days. And so there, the benefits go along with it. And I think that's important when you're looking for a job, maybe not necessarily your first job because it's your first job. You're not going to, you're not going to have as much benefits as someone that's been there for five years or something like that. Right. Or pay of course, but over time, as you're looking through careers, look for places that are, are making you feel valued because that's what's going to make you happy in the role. So we do have deadlines. It is hard work, but you know, if you use a cliche, think about your favorite celebrity business person, whoever it might be, they're working very hard. They're working a lot. They're working, they, they like what they do, but they're working a lot. And that's, that's kind of the key to success. I think a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. So if you could go back and change anything in your career path or about your career path, would you, or, and if you would, what would you change or do differently? It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things, of course, that's hard to say because you end up certain places. The only thing I wouldn't change much, I wouldn't change much. And I took advice and I didn't take advice sometimes. Uh, a good example, uh, Melanie and Kristen gave me advice when I started working at Nutrisystem because I was super stressed. They kind of knew, and I kind of knew too, it wasn't going to be a forever job, but I think they kind of knew like, hey, Paul, this isn't a great fit. Why don't you just wait, try to find something better? I didn't listen. In my case, it did work out because though I didn't really like that job, it did put me in a position where I was able to earn a lot very quickly. Money that I used, that was that I needed to then take my next job, which is I ended up working full-time for about two years for the... Um, the nonprofit uh, Pennsylvania Free Enterprise Week that I uh, interned with in college. So I moved out to Erie, Pennsylvania for that. So if I didn't have that money, I wouldn't have been able to move, get to part. I wouldn't have been able to do that yet if for the last six months I, you know, was maybe just working part time or trying to find something. So it worked out. Um, obviously, not everything works out exactly like you think. I thought that I wanted to retire from that nonprofit that worked there all my life. When I started there, I figured out that it wasn't, I, it helped me figure out what I wasn't good at in a lot of ways. It helped me figure out and also helped me discover what I did like, which was recruiting the volunteers, which led me to recruiting as a whole. Um, so even though that wasn't a success in terms of me staying there forever, I still volunteer in the organization. So it all, it all worked out there. The only thing that I would maybe go back and do slightly differently and this is kind of this is something that in the COVID world makes more sense. When I was at my previous role, I had to do driving two hours, one hour all over every week. I went through three cars in the three years that I was there because I was had you know used cars. I was putting so many miles on them. I would have suggested working virtually because now I know how easy. But none of us knew that then. But that's the only thing that. Or I would have maybe spoken up and said, this isn't making sense. We do, we, you know, of course we had Zoom and things like that, but I would have brought it up like, hey, this is silly. I think this is not taking up. I'm not working as effectively for you as I can doing all this driving. Why don't I just work at the closer office and, and do a lot more remote things? But that's some of that th stuff just comes with experience. But, you know, that's, that's the only thing that really stands out to me. Um, yeah. It's amazing what uh, the Zoom world did like to our day, oh, yeah. like modern day, because 
all the time and money we could have been saving all these years, like you just said, you with, with the simple virtual working. But um, I think that's all I have for you today. So thank you, Paul, for joining me and sharing your experience with everyone. If anyone would like to reach out to Paul, I'll have his contact information linked in the caption. Otherwise, thank you to everyone listening. Please remember to subscribe to the Beyond the Tassel channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. Catch you in the next episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our honor to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via podcast. If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at desales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.